to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Common Law with Jaron Jackson. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight we're going to have Jaron Jackson on. We haven't had on for a while, but he was at Bards Fest and he is literally one of the top experts in common law in our nation. This man has a heart for saving the nation. He has a heart for children. He loves God, and he hates to see this country being taken down by a bunch of pedophile elites. He's passionate about what he talks about, and he knows his stuff. Common laws, as I've learned more and more about it, is not an easy study. It's a dedication to a way of life. And tonight, what's really important about this interview is he's going to be talking about a lot of the fundamentals to get yourself positioned and in the flow of learning common law. It's not something you can just pick up, grab a template and do. That's kind of the legal format we've grown up on. Common law takes a discipline, a discipline of scriptural studies, a discipline of reading and knowing your state constitution as well as your federal constitution, and a discipline of understanding and using Black's Law's dictionary. These things combined create a powerful understanding of what we're capable of and really do, in fact, return the power to the people. He and his mentor, which you will mention in this, have been doing some tremendous work across this nation quietly, and this is really becoming one of the powerful quiet revolutions around, and I would encourage you really to start pursuing this as a study. I think it's important that everybody gets to know it. I know that I myself am going to be engaged in taking some seminars coming up. Through him and his, his mentor, I'm going to be absorbing this as much as possible because it is a fundamental way of us taking our rights back and doing it legally, peacefully, but also aggressively. You have to be precise in what we do, and we have to do what, everything we can to break this fake law structure that we're living under down and to seize this country back from those of the global elites. Patriots, before we get going tonight, one thing that is absolutely clear is that traditional media is crumbling. Why? Because they're hiding something and because they lie and because they're run by the CIA. Something big is coming. People are realizing this, and they're being lied to left and right. That's the common way the media works, and even by institutions that we, we thought we could trust. The thing is, before long, we know that the truth is going to come out. And when you know that, things are going to begin to disrupt, fall apart, and things are going to go a little bit crazy. You need to prepare. And we begin by preparation by going to preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. There you're going to save $200 on the essential three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. For over for over the years, My Patriot Supply has helped millions of Americans and families prepare for emergencies, and yours should be the next family we help, or just add to what you currently have. Sealed inside our ultra-durable packaging, there's delicious meals last, that last up to 25 years in storage, and they're, they provide over 2,000 calories a day, which is outstanding. It keeps you mentally strong and mentally fit. Eat right when things go wrong is the whole idea. 
went with this three-month emergency food kit by My Patriot Supply. With $200 in savings, you can get enough for each family member, and that gives you great protection, protection they deserve. So go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, order by 3 p.m. for free same-day shipping. Preparewithbards.com. You're not going to be disappointed. Well, Patriots, I've had a couple of great conversations with Jaron, and I had one over the weekend, which I was very blessed to have, and that set up today's call, which is our interview today, which is fantastic. And then we really are in the same mindset of how we get people to the starting point and beginning to get them into the flow of common law. Common law is in typically the way people think of things like this is like, oh, I can go to a class and I can learn it all. Unfortunately, for the sake of common law, it is not that easy. And it takes a discipline of study as much as we discipline our study in Scripture a common law extends from Scripture. And so you're going to hear a lot of that from him today. It is really getting to the root of what God's issue is on the law and applying that or issue of presentations of law in the Bible and applying that to the real world. Jaron is brilliant, but he spent a lot of years and a lot of time getting to this place. And the one thing that he's very honest about is everyone can begin, everyone must begin. And really, in order to take this nation back, everyone has to become informed. And the more that we understand our rights the less this government has power. And the more that we exercise our rights, the more that we squeeze the government down to the right size, which is what our founding fathers intended. What is very clear is our legislators don't know the law. They don't know common law, which is the principle of how this country was born. We have a lot of people in the government that are more consumed with legislative rules and laws. They're trying to force that upon us. We have people in prison, J6, that are thinking that they're there because they've been doing the best they can in the law when they haven't used the power of what common law has given them. And we just have a continued misunderstanding of the power of what we have as people. We are sovereigns. And to get there, the first step, as always, is for us to step away from the fear of reprisal from a government that does little more than constantly rattle the sabers at us and threaten us with different things. So we need to prepare ourselves in the way that we should, just spiritually in a fight that is going to be an informational fight and a legal fight, we have to prepare ourselves and equip ourselves from the scriptures, from our constitutions, state and federal, and from the knowledge of the legal wording and, and application of that that they use. So these are big steps to make if you're going to make a commitment. It's not going to come easy. You're not going to be able to go to Amazon, order a packet of templates and use them. Common law, it doesn't work like that. But when we get into the mindset of how it works and understanding that we have all the authority, that the constitutions were written as if we were speaking to the government, not the government speaking to us. Once we pivot those paradigms and understand that we were given all authority in this nation, one of the reasons they hate us so much, they meaning the elites and the pedophile crazies, once we get all that clear, these people have no power. And there's no judge, there's no lawyer out there that can stand up against the arguments that you can present once you get rooted deeply in the Constitution and Scripture. It's that simple. This is truly an, a, a war that's rooted in faith, and that's what makes it even more noble and more important to do. Patriots, one last thing before we begin, just make sure that you are being prepared on other levels. We are dealing with psychopath pedophile elites, as we very well know, that will do anything to cover their tracks. Part of that is using little techniques and tools like EMPs, for example, something that everyone likes to use to ruin the society and cause everybody to go into darkness forever. 
or maybe some weather warfare to invoke lightning strikes to wipe out the grid and damage your, your electronics and your, your house permanently, cause you untold damage financially, and even to a point you can't recover. Protect those. The way to protect those is to go to empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. There you'll be able to get $50 off and free shipping on what is the best product on the market to protect from these sorts of threats that we currently live in. This is a veteran-owned company. It is an American-made product, and it's American-tested in the best labs. So head on over to empshield.com, empshield.com. Check out their resource library for how to install all their certifications. Gives you a whole background on the company as well. And to get by using your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, get $50 off and free shipping. You won't be disappointed. It's the best insurance you can have in this period of time because crazy people do crazy things, and I don't want to be a victim of their craziness. So again, empshield.com, promo code BARDS. All right, Patriots, with that, let's kick it up and let's bring on Jaron, and let's have a conversation that I think everyone will benefit from. Well, Patriots, I'm excited and honored again to have Jaron Jackson on. He is like the country's premier expert on common law. West Point graduate, served time overseas in Afghanistan. He's a battle captain par excellence, and he's passionate about saving the country, the country he loves, and the country we all see going down the toilet thanks to these pedophile elites. So, Jaron, hey, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, doing uh, better than I deserve. I want to tell people I learned from Dave Jose, but yes, uh, this is the most powerful knowledge in the law uh, is the fundamentals. No one can argue against it. Absolutely. You and I had a really good conversation over the weekend and um, a lot of this on the centers of common law. And one of the things you brought up right now is you were really focusing on is the fear that's in people and how that's such a, a limitation to understanding how common law can be applied. And really that's scriptural in its basis. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, there's a, a lot of verses. I mean, God is very clear throughout the Bible, do not fear. Um, I mean, the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and understanding. And so um, when we fear God and not anything else, that's when we start to see things from God's perspective because we're hearing God talk instead of the world. Um, whether it's Joshua, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid, um, you know, or it's uh, Jesus, come follow me. And you're he's inviting Peter to walk out on the water uh, despite the storm. Um, in the law, you have rights. And if you do not claim those rights under penalty of perjury, you are not making a claim. It's like you do not get access to that power of your rights until you are willing to stand on them, which means you're going to be held accountable to what you say. And I was doing a space last week on the Declaration of Military Accountability. I know that you also covered it. And my heart goes out to the veterans, uh, military men and women that were hurt because of the forced vaccine, the bioweapon, uh, you know, just really bad stuff. But because they don't know how to make a claim, we haven't been taught, none of them have ever made claims. They've never asserted their rights in the law. And one of the conclusions that's wrong that we come to is, well, no one cares about the law. Well, it, it's not that. It's the fact that you haven't actually asserted your rights in the law. 
to make a claim to go up against whatever it is that's attacking you. We have a fighting system in our law. American jurisprudence is a fighting system. When someone attacks you, if you go along with them, you've granted the presumption, you've affirmed their attack. But if someone attacks you and you stand firm on your rights and you're willing to stand on it, to die on it, to go to jail for it, you'll win because your state constitutions, the constitutions are written for our benefit. And this is the stuff that's been hidden from us, which is why we get destroyed for fear. You know, I've been really hitting this hard and really hard. And you and I walk a real parallel path here is the, is the destruction of fear. Fear is literally a virus. And when it gets in people, it doesn't take anything more than just to seed it. And then it just takes on a life of its own. And I think when you were talking about the, the fear that's in there, it's the fear in ways that people don't typically think of fear. Fear is typically like if I, we, we, can frame, can, we frame fear, especially in the military, of a threat that's directly in front of us. But fear takes on those insidious forms of like, it's going to affect me in ways that may affect my reputation, it may affect my family, it may affect my, my salary, it may affect my, what, if, what happens if I lose, those sorts of things. When you're thinking about that and, and talking to people, where are you channeling them or, or encouraging them to go in terms of scripture to say, look, you got to get grounded here? You know, a lot of it is just based on the fact that my testimony stands. So when Jesus was teaching, uh, people took what he said and, and said, this guy speaks with authority. And so a lot of it is how I speak. I, I'm not second guessing. Um, you know, those, those of us that learn the fundamental law, like I said, I, I learned from a guy named Dave Jose out of, out of Arizona, we aren't swinging, we are aiming. And so because we've done the study in peace and in private, so we've read, we understand the law. When I come ready for battle, I've already won the war because I know that I'm right. And that's not a position of arrogance as much as it is, I know what's written. And when Jesus was challenged, he would say, it is written. Um, but when I when I direct people uh, to things, you have to show them where it's written. A lot of people won't believe it until they read it. And most people haven't read, so they don't believe, so they don't behave. So whenever I speak to people about these issues, um, courage is absolutely key because you've got to defeat that fear and the easiest way, in my view, to do that is just to show them where it's written, show them where the literal law is, and then their own eyes will have to, I mean, they, they will have to deny their lying eyes in order to embrace their fear. Um, but, you know, I just got off the phone with a guy right before this, this call, and I told him about asserting his rights in the law. And he said, well, if I don't do that, they're going to come and put me in prison. And I was like, just think about what you just did. You just concluded something about the future. The Bible says only God knows the future. So now you're going to claim the truth about the future in the domain that God has said is his and his alone. And that thing that has not yet happened, you are using that as the prevention of you taking action right now. I said, you're a slave to your own fear. That's why you lose, which just 
you know, it doesn't come off very well. <laughs> Some people get mad about that, but you know, they, they have to hear those hard conversations, you know? Well, truth is truth. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to take away a person's reaction because it's hard to hear it, but truth is not intended to be easy, but truth is love in the center of that. That's really godly love right there. It's laying things down because when we get into this level of fear and what fear will do to us and the limitations that it places on our lives, we have to start realizing, especially in an information war, which is primarily, this is all framed around that, that the information war is one of the most insidious forms of warfare ever conceived. It gets into our head. It affects how we react. It limits us by the root issues that we often don't even know exist until we confront them or have long forgotten. It deals with internal trauma. It deals with our relationships and our depths of what our true meaning of faith is. And I think what you've presented here, which is so profound, is the courage, the moral courage it takes to step in as sons of God to to claim common law as our mantle to literally fight and win this war. Your thoughts? Yeah, if I can, um, let's go back to the garden, Genesis 3, verse 1. Uh, the King James says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, the very first thing the serpent does is install doubt that God was clear. And as soon as you can install doubt that God isn't clear or he's misunderstood or we've misinterpreted it, that's the nature of how this information war is based. By giving truth the semantic range or a possibility of interpretation, I've just now uh, smashed everything. I've leveled all authorities to where everything's equal. Well, everything's not equal. Truth is exclusive. You can't have truth and not truth coexist. It's, you know, it doesn't happen. So if you follow, he continues to go, shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Satan's uh, law is granular. It's micromanaging. It's authoritative. It's comprehensive. It's, it is without um, permission or liberty. To the contrary, God's is abundant. It's, it's liberty. It's, it's freeing. But when you doubt that, that's when you give yourself over to this, um, you know, incredibly oppressive system. And, and that stands in the law today. Um, you've got an administrative state with all sorts of codes and rules and regulations. All of these are derivations of law. All of these are downstream from the original grant of power in the Constitution. And, and when we understand that the Constitution is the bedrock, why would you argue anything, anything downstream? And as someone who's made in God's image, when you stand on your rights and you point to them in the Constitution, you say, look, there it is right there. Everybody in government swore to it. So they are already agreeing that you have your right and your rights are paramount over their statutory provisions and their junk that's downstream, this is an easy argument to win every single time, but people lose because they have fear and they'll look at the big bad wolf instead of just recognize, I'm going to stay disciplined and only hear the shepherd's voice and only read what's written. It really reminds me of, there's a sniper model, motto, suffer patiently, patiently suffer. It is really in that context because you're, you're taking time to endure this, to wait for that time, as you say, to strike lethally. It's, you're precise. You're not. You're not doing a shotgun pattern, 
And I think this is really important in everything you're doing in common law. Is that correct? Yeah. What, what I, I mean, I've, I've failed a lot. I'll just be straight. Like I, I, when I started learning, um, you know, what helped me learn was just the fact that I grew up with the scripture. So I grew up understanding that the Bible was God's word. Um, you know, I've obviously gotten better with it over time and, and people need to practice. Like I don't, use any templates. I would never advocate for people to use templates because that cuts uh, thought that that's like undercutting the the purpose of an instrument that you produce. But when you start to do this, you do get better. Um, and what I would advocate is recognize what you are doing is you are using power. You're using power. And if you've never done it, then you're going to be bad at it, but you will get better. Um, and this, this aim, this precision in the law is the whole issue. And the profundity is in the simplicity. That's actually where you trap people too. If you look at any court filing or any attorney's petition or any, anything in the law, it's freaking a million pages and they've got statute this and code this and all this other stuff. What we do is we, tr we've trained to ask Jesus questions we just ask very simple questions where there is nothing except for a yes or no, but depending on how you answer, the whole thing falls. Um, and that that builds off of knowing what the foundation is. Uh, it's like that time when Jesus asked all those guys, he says, is John the Baptist ministry of the Lord? They were, they were screwed if they said yes. They were screwed if they said no. So they just kept their mouth shut. And when they kept their mouth shut, everyone recognized Jesus is the Christ. That guy is true. So he wins either way because he knows he's right. And when you get to that level, um, you can really start to uh, destroy bad government, which is one of the, you know, it's one of my purposes, one of my objectives. I want righteous government to give God the glory, to stop the oppression of people. But also I want people to understand the liberty of Jesus Christ. I want them to know that, yes, you can have salvation from sin by believing the gospel. You also get the blessing of his wisdom that is applicable right now. Like, you don't have to wait to smash this stuff. You can do it right now. Um, so that's that's why I, I encourage and that's why I teach. One of the things that people often ask is, where do they begin? I know you've we've talked a lot about this, and there's a lot of different avenues, but it, I think principally as we've laid down the other day, there is the Bible and there is the state constitution and then there is Black's Law Dictionary. And I think with, as you've discussed with me, those are three basic pillars to work from. And if you were, someone said to you, well, okay, I have those, where would I begin? Yeah, the so there's, right. So the Bible is, I mean, you can read Psalm chapter 119. It's the largest chapter in the Bible. It is in the middle of the Bible, and it is all about the statutes. It's all about God's law. It's all about God's judgment. So if you ever think that the Bible, and you know, I know you don't, I know your audience doesn't, but if people are always just like, okay, yeah, the Bible is just a story. Read the Bible and hear God talk about how much he cares about his law. He put it literally in the middle of his book. It's the longest chapter. It is all about obedience to the law. When we understand what our government is, our government is a trust. A trust is an entity 
that is designed to hold property for the benefit of others. It is a common law production. The, the Proverbs tell people to lay up wealth for their children's children. So wealth is supposed to be transferred from generation to generation. It's one of the ways that you bless um, you know, generations by laboring now to bless tomorrow. And your trusts in the government hold our property. They hold our powers. We gave them legislative power. We gave them executive power. We gave them judicial power. They only have it because we gave it to them. Now understand, if something has been given, it can be taken back. And if something has been given, that means whoever gave it also has it. So just because God gave me a talent doesn't mean that he can't take that talent back. Just because God gave the talent doesn't mean he also doesn't have the talent. So whatever God gives me, he can take back. And whenever God gives it, that means that he has it originally. So when people form governments and we put power inside government, we did that voluntarily, according to what the Constitution says. That means we can take it back anytime we want to by law. That's what the Constitution say right now. Um, when you understand that, you will understand that all power is granted or prohibited or reserved. These are the basics. So when you recognize that your government is a trust, it is literally about saying, where was this guy granted the power to do this? And, and just so we're tracking, people make government we wrote it down in a constitution. It's a written document. It's an express trust. That express trust details the specific provisions of power that then have to use that. That's called a general grant. The general law is your constitution. It's for everybody. It's generally for everybody, the common guy. When your legislature writes a statute, it has to have a general grant of power, which means the Constitution has to tell the legislature, yes, you can write a power, you can write laws about this, you can write laws about that. If the Constitution doesn't say you can write laws about that, then the legislature is uh, taking power or abusing power it doesn't have, which means in the law that is void from the outset. That's a repugnant act. A repugnant act is something that is contrary to the Constitution. Contrary, in this case, includes something that's not written. I'll give you a specific. Right now, the immigration fight. Immigration, as a word, is not in the U.S. Constitution. Naturalization is. Naturalization is about conferring benefits to people who are here. Immigration is people who are not here coming here. So the federal government will regulate immigration, which is people physically entering the country, but it does that without immigration being in the Constitution. And I argue that's unlawful. The way that they do that is that U.S. Congress was granted power to regulate commerce. And this is why every single time you'll hear anybody in the feds talk about immigration, there is always an economic analysis. There is always a commercial bent. More H-1B visas, immigrants add X amount of uh, thing to the GDP, uh, they pay taxes, they work, they do whatever. And this is because the feds are granted the power to regulate commerce. 
And you'll find the very first time the immigration bill was ever passed in the U.S. Congress, 1891, it was for aliens under contract to labor, which is commercial. And this is because the U.S. Congress is not granted the power to regulate immigration. They're granted the power to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. And because your U.S. Constitution and state constitutions are express trusts, the words in the Constitution are the law. And because immigration is not in the U.S. Constitution, the U.S. government does not have the power to regulate immigration. But because people aren't taught this, they don't argue this. And because they don't argue it, we get mass migration. When Texas argued and sued the Border Patrol, Texas used a Texas statute on tort law to say that the Border Patrol was cutting razor wire, treating it as a chattel and property of the state of Texas. Well, they argued this in a federal jurisdiction and the Supreme Court rightly struck it down, not because I like mass migration, but because that's the right argument in the law. And the, the, the argument of invasion has never been used. Public danger has never been used. Public safety has never been used. And you have to understand these attorneys, these, these people that are informing these legislators, they're telling them what's legal and what's not. But what's often the case is that attorneys don't know the law, which is why myself and the people like me, we open challenge, openly challenge attorneys anywhere. Bring it any day. I won't even study. And I'll run laps around you because I know the fundamentals and you don't. And until people get to the fundamentals and know the law, we're going to continue to have this type of trespass. I hope that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I want to read something you sent me because I think it gets right to this at a couple of deep levels. And this was from the Oregon Constitution. You sent me the, uh, this the other day, and we had this very in enlightening conversation for me. We declare that all men, this is from Section 1, we declare that all men when they form a social compact are equal in right, that all power is inherent in the people and all free governments are founded on their authority and instituted for their peace, safety, and happiness. And they have at all times a right to alter, reform, or abolish the government in such manner as they may think proper. This is a profound insight when you change the optic, like you had said we needed to, and it was just a real big paradigm shift for me. When we realized that this is our empowering statement as an individual relating to government, rather than government telling me, I'm telling government from that perspective. This then led to the discussion we had on, on the substance. The, the substance of it was that we can change our contract in our relationship with government because it says so. We have the right to alter, reform, or abolish. Now, that's an individual action to the way the government interacts with me. So I guess where this is leading, common law sense tends to be that way, of, as I'm understanding your description, is it is a, we can challenge authority. Any one of us can challenge the authority of the government. We don't need a collective whole to be able to change the government. Is, is that a fair statement? Yeah, it's not just about challenging the authority. We can tell the government what to do because we are the authority. Like there, there's something in Virginia Constitution, Article 1, Section 3, that talks about the danger of maladministration. Maladministration just means wrong administration. 
So these elections, elections meant something when these constitutions were ratified. Well, Virginia was ratified 1700s. Do you think that they had tally machines, voting machines? No. Uh, when when the mode of election is changed, you actually rug pull the power of the people who gave and formed the government. So running an election outside of the historical usage of the definition of election is wrong administration. It's maladministration. I don't need evidence of fraud. I just have to see that you didn't do it the right way. Now, it may be the case that you are committing fraud and you should go to jail. But when we're talking about the law, the bar is very low for me just to say, I don't like what you're doing. You're done. But people have to know who they are in the law. And I'll even say the Virginia Constitution speaks about the danger of maladministration, which means the wrong administration doesn't have to happen. It just has to be in risk. Like there just has to be a risk that it's going to be wrongly administered. And as soon as there's a risk of it wrongly being administered, you can fire everybody. You don't have to wait for elections. You don't have to wait for uh, you know political cycles. And when that starts to seep in, you recognize these political conversations, the right, the left. I mean, I'm, I, I am a political conservative, but I really stopped paying attention to politics because I realized they're all just trying to run to be my servant. Every single one of these guys and gals are just competing to serve me. Okay, <laughs> I don't care if you're AOC or Nancy Pelosi or Trump, you're going to swear an oath and you're going to serve me because I know what the law says and I'm going to hold you accountable. Um, and I think when people get to that perspective, because our founders hated political parties, when we get to that perspective, a lot of this gaslighting loses its power because the idol isn't so powerful anymore because, okay, you're my servant now. Here's the contract where you said you're going to do it. To your point, uh, I think you read Oregon Constitution. The people in government swore to the document that functions as an open-ended contract with you. I mean, if, if you and I go into business, let's say, you know, Scott wants more cows and Jaron gives them, you know, Jaron's got cows. Um, if, if Jaron contracts to uh, sell Scott cows, but Scott's got a provision that says, um, whenever you give me the cows, uh, if they arrive to my, if they arrive to Scott's property and I don't like them, I get to uh, take the money back, keep the cow, and you're out of pocket. Would Jaron sign that contract? Probably not, because it's heavily one-sided. Because you could just by right, by contract, say, eh, give me the money back. I don't like the cows, but I'll keep them. Now, in your constitutions, your state constitutions. Almost all of them will have some provision that says alter, reform, or abolish government at will. This means that whenever government comes in contact with you, or if you pair up with an association or you aggregate your political power, like if Bard's Nation wanted to start doing stuff, you could function like a nation in the nation and bring the political power of your people. But if a government entity comes against me, I, I have unlimited power to contract. I, by right, and you, by right, have unlimited power to contract. Now, if if you bring, if you're an agency, if you're a government entity, you come after me, and I know my rights, well, how easy is it for me to send you notice and say, hey, here's where my right is in the Constitution. 
show me where you were granted the constitutional power to violate this. And you have to answer me by sworn affidavit. And if you don't, you agree that I'm right. And if you come after me further, you agree to pay me $1,000 a day or however many a day. I've just contracted with you telling you what the fundamental law is. And I've mixed all these jurisdictions. And right now, if you have any attorneys listening to me, their heads are blowing apart because what I'm telling you is something that they weren't taught and they don't think can happen because I'm blending all sorts of jurisdictions simultaneously. Because when you know who you are as a grantor of political power, all the jurisdictions of government that exist, they all came from people. They all came from people because we create the government. And there's a scripture, I think it's uh, Psalm 8, 8. Um, I, I, that's where my brain's telling me. But, you know, while I'm looking that up, this is this is why this is why we learn. This is why we study. But if you look at Psalm chapter eight, verse eight, it says, um, uh, you know, uh, verse five, I'll start. I'll start verse five. Psalm chapter eight, verse five. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with the glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes, passeth through the paths of the seas. Our Lord, O oh our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. When God gave you dominion, he gave you dominion over everything. So if government is something we created, we are the little g God over our creation. We created it we control it. When it does not do what we told it to do, we smash it. And this is why I believe that Christians need to get back to the fundamentals, because there's a lot of lawlessness happening in our nation. And when you give your give this notice and information to legislators, you know, I, I work with legislators around the country, you need to be able to give them an opportunity to repent, because most of these people have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea that they're committing treason because they just don't know. And there are some that whenever they find out, that's when you raise them up with mercy and with grace and with love and they become champions. Um, and, I, you know, th they do exist. They're not all lawless and just uh, evil. Um, but but this this is why it's such a I don't know how to explain it, but this is why this is why it's hard to do work for the Lord. It's It's not. You know, I'm not just going to go put a bullet in a guy. It's, I, you know, I've got to do the dirty work of, or the hard work, I should say, of knowing the law and studying and being diligent and giving uh, opportunity to repent. Um, that, I, I hope that makes sense. But that's what we're doing here. We're exercising the powers uh, that he gave us the way that he wants us to, um, which means when someone has the law brought to them and they repent, and they ask for forgiveness, well, I might not like you, and I might really want to smash, but shoot, if, if Jesus forgave me and died for me, I, okay, you know, then that's, and that's the hard answer that not a lot of people want to hear because they want retribution, um, so, which is, which is why very few people do this, because they, they don't have the heart for it, they're not with the Lord. That's really well said. I think that's the biggest challenge everybody's facing right now because there is a lot of corruption in the heart. I've been talking about this for 
solidly for a year about the importance of reestablishing a loving and forgiving heart, and judgment goes to God, and doesn't come into our hand unless our hand is guided by him, which would be more the David and and uh, Joshua moments, right? Yeah. This is a one question here that comes up is, does it matter what version of the Bible you're using? I know you said your mentor uses King James. Do you only use King James, or does it matter if someone's using NASB 1995 or if somebody's using AMP? What's your thoughts? Um, so this is something I'm looking into. Uh, I was raised on NKJV, so that's where... Uh, as a as a boy growing up in the church, that's you know if I if I default quote, I'm always going to look into that. Um, but there's a book um, by a guy named Chinaquai written. Um, you know he's a former Catholic priest where he basically points to uh, you know what Rome has done with manuscripts. And whenever you look at the manuscripts that serves as the base text. Um, there's a lot of bad stuff and a lot of bad history that have perverted texts. And so whenever I look at the King James, that's based on the majority text that served for the vast majority of church history. And it's only been of recent history that uh, the Vaticanus or the Alexandrian texts have come about. And there's a lot of differences there. Um, so my answer is, if you want to be saved, you believe the gospel, obey the gospel. When you understand that God's word and he cares very much about it, I would encourage people to do their own research into the texts that serve as the basis of the Bible, um, because a lot of them, you know, omit things. Uh, but for me, I found that I read King James because it forces me to slow down, which is not a bad thing because it, it forces me to understand each word. And when I started doing that was when I started making a lot of connections uh, with the Constitution and things like that, because I don't just read the Bible like a book to be read like a story. Every word, I mean, you, you heard me fumble words, right? Because I don't speak in King James English, but it forces me to go slow, um, which has had a positive impact on my spiritual walk because it it forces me to actually listen to what God says. Every word is on purpose. So we kind of go back to this where to begin concept. We're just talking fundamentals today. We've The importance of scripture, the importance of understanding the state constitution. Now we get into Black's dictionary. Talk Black's law dictionary. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, most lawyers will be educated and trained with Black's Law Dictionary. It's what the law schools sell. So uh, it's not that Black's Law is more authoritative than any other dictionary. It's just that if you're going to use a law book that all the legal experts use, use the one that they use and there's no argument. Um, but what was interesting is that my teacher, Dave Jose, found in Black's fifth between Black's fifth and Black's sixth, the definition of court of record was changed. And that's huge because court of record before or in fifth edition and earlier actually includes certain provisions, certain attributes. After starting with the sixth edition and after court of record has been shrunk. And that specifically, if I'll just read it, this is Black's four. A court of record is a judicial tribunal having attributes and exercising functions independent of the person of the magistrate 
designated generally to hold it. This means that the judge is not actually in charge of the proceeding. And by the way, your liberties, your rights, those things that are reserved, those things that are in the bills of rights, they have to be tried by a court of record. So it matters what a court of record is, because if someone comes up and says, Scott, I'm going to take your uh, you know, right to liberty, I'm going to take your car, I'm going to take your property, I'm going to take your whatever, no one in government can take anything from you unless it's in a court of record. That's that when the when the Constitution says constitutional due process or excuse me, when the Constitution says due process of law, due process of law means specific things. It means the right to have notice, the right to be heard before judgment and the right to have an ordered proceeding. And in a proceeding that moves by the, the category or the class that's being tried. So if your class is an inherent right or a secured right the only way to try in a, in a proceeding your liberty is in a court of record. And a court of record, the judge is not in charge. The judge is an umpire. So the judge can't tell you what you can and can't do. It's literally the definition. It The exercises functions independently of the person of the magistrate designated generally to hold it and proceeding according to the course of common law. Well, one of the definitions of common law is as distinguished from enactments of legislature. This literally means anything that the legislature writes is not the common law. So when you have attorneys, so attorneys today will believe that common law is a blend of, uh, you know, customs and usages, statutes, and what's called case law. They kind of got this big hodgepodge kind of all put in one big cauldron. And they, they swirl it about and they say, that's the common law. That's not a definition. That's a hoax. And it's not true. And the reason why is that if you can expand the semantic range of common law to make it mean whatever, you actually make common law mean nothing. And if common law means nothing, well, then it can mean anything. And this is how they attack you. So when they change the definition of court of record, they took out move according to the common law. So right now, J6ers, I'll just go specific. J6ers right now, every single last one of them, every single last J6er, the guys that went in the Capitol January 6, 2021, every single one of them is charged with a statutory crime. A statutory crime comes from the legislature. It's an enactment. Enactments from the legislature are not the common law. Let me get more specific. A statute will read any person who enters the Capitol is guilty of blank and must serve 10 years. That statute presumes guilt. It literally says any person who does this or whomever does this is guilty of. So if you get charged with a statutory crime, the statute presumes guilt which violates your constitutional due process of law because you have the right to be heard before judgment. So if I, as the FBI, charge Scott with freaking walking into the Capitol and that cap that's a statutory crime, let's say it's 18 USC whatever, that statutory crime presumes your guilt, which at its face violates your constitutional due process of law. Now, there is not one single attorney who has ever argued this. And the reason why they don't is because it would kill the jurisdiction 
it would kill the case and there's no billable hours. So when J6ers are in jail right now, and many of these people are rotting in prison, it's because their constitutional due process of law has been violated. And I could go further, you know, the jurisdiction that has been gained over these J6ers was done by an FBI agent in many cases, who was not physically present to physically observe what they're swearing to. And if you look into the affidavits of these FBI agents, it says at the very end, I swear that I believe there's evidence of probable cause. So they're swearing to what they believe. They're not swearing to facts. So I can say, I swear under penalty of perjury that I believe that Scott Kesterson uh, committed treason. That's not a fact. That's just saying, I swear that I believe it. Me swearing, I swear he committed treason. That's a fact. Now I'm swearing to a fact. So this means that your Sixth Amendment right to face the witnesses against you, you don't have a witness. The maxims say that a witness is one present to observe a transaction. So how can an FBI agent that was not physically present sign as the witness to gain jurisdiction over people that is then used in a legislative tribunal, not a court of record, to attack your liberty with a statutory crime that presumes guilt against your due process uh, rights to then throw you in jail. This has happened hundreds of times. And because people don't know their rights and because people don't know the constitution, they get attacked. And I've talked to over 100 J6ers and all it would take is to swear under penalty of perjury to your rights and send it to the judge, I'd send it to the US attorney, I would send it to Jim Jordan, I would send it to all sorts of people because the remedy is in broad diffusion of knowledge. The more people who know the truth, that's where the law is going to be upheld. If you're, if you're the only one who knows the truth, they suffocate you, they bury you, they censor you, they silence you. But if everybody's preaching the gospel, if everybody's looking at what's true, if everybody's pointing out the law, they can't hide that. They can't hide that. So if a J6er swears under penalty of perjury that these statutory crimes presume guilt, which violate constitutional due process, what he's doing is he's taking his right of liberty and he's swearing on it, using that to attack and destroy the government's jurisdiction over him. And when you challenge jurisdiction at any stage of any proceeding, nothing can continue. It can't until the lawfulness of that jurisdiction is determined. And in the federal codes, this is called a 5.1 challenge. Now, I wouldn't call it that. I would just challenge it by right. But a 5.1 challenge is a constitutionality challenge. You guys don't have the constitutional power to attack me. That's all it is. But if you argued this, you would get your freedom. But they don't argue this because the, the many that I've talked to, they're afraid the judge is going to hammer them. They're afraid they're going to get a harsher sentence. They're afraid that their attorney's going to run and, and not want to represent them anymore. And so because we have a, a lack of knowledge and bad knowledge, coupled with a fear of the unknown, no one's actually standing on their rights. And I'm pulling my hair out going, you guys are in jail, separated from your families, because you're not arguing the law. And you, you not arguing the law is destroying you. And it's intimidating patriots from uh, from assembling, from protesting, from from exercising their liberties. 
and, and I, I look at this and I'm, you know, thanks for letting me rant, but it's like, holy crap, man. Like you, you like, here's where it's written, but people don't believe it. And if they don't believe it, then they're not going to live it, which means they're going to get crushed. Well, we're so inoculated with this idea of an attorney. And as you have talked before, and it's like you to touch on it again, the intersection of an attorney into our life separates us from having any voice in the law. And I don't think people really realize that because we've hired an advocate. And this is an advocate, as you said to me the other day, doesn't even have to be truthful in what they say. So talk a little bit about that because the common law is a massive shift back to a state of accountability. And we are a country that wanders in the desert of no accountability. And this is where at the core of this, what common law does is something that we have to have at the end of the day is a reset of moral character and accountability for this nation and this republic to survive. But the attorneys, which literally, I think it's Shakespeare, the first thing you should do is kill all the attorneys. That's Shakespeare, not me. But there's the point is that they've, they're a parasite. And they've, they've intersected here to leverage knowledge and to literally rake wealth coming and going off of their cases, whether they win or lose. And there really is no skin in the game for them because there's no consequence if they lose. Where when we file it as a common law affidavit, a common law brief, whatever you're going to call that, there is a true accountability we're putting on the line. And I think this is where the big difference comes in is when we do that and we're putting in a notary and we're signing to that, we're literally saying this is the truth and we stand by it no matter what. Go ahead. Yeah, Jesus says in Luke eleven fifty two, woe unto you lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in ye hindered. So Jesus says that the experts in the law, the lawyers, are hiding, they're hiding the key to knowledge. In this case, he was talking about himself. He was the fulfillment of the prophecies. He was the one that was promised to come. And so the law, the lawyers, the scribes and the Pharisees of Jesus' day were, were dogging them. They were undercutting them. They were telling everybody that's not the Messiah. And so because they were telling people that Jesus wasn't the Messiah, they were blocking salvation. They were hiding salvation in the law. And, and Jesus goes on in Matthew 23, too. He says, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. They sit in the position of lawgiver. And if you're in that position, then you control people. The Black's Law definition uh, fourth, uh, if you look at the word a turn, it means to turn over, to transfer to another money or goods, to assign to some particular use or service. Now, I say this as uh, the third son of an attorney. My father was an attorney for 40 years. He went home with the Lord last February. I love him very much. I am not against attorneys. There are many attorneys that whenever they understand and they, they recognize what the law is, you got to understand that's a big piece of humble pie because their entire profession is predicated on knowledge that's wrong. Like they were taught wrong knowledge. And, and that, that's, that's a big gut punch. Um, my father uh, told me when, you know, my mom told me that my father told her when he was in law school, he said to my mom, he says, it's going to be really hard to be an attorney and be a Christian because they teach you not to think like the Bible. You, you've got to be a very particular brand of thought, not to say that there's not attorneys that are Christians. My father was, my father-in-law, um, 
But when you understand what an attorney is, you're literally in an issue. You're in a fight. Jaron comes up and says, I'm going to fight you. And then Scott turns and taps out and someone else fights on his behalf. And you only do that if you think you can't beat me. Well, I know you could beat me, so you won't run. <laughs> but you're, you're going to be like, good, you, you wanted this fight. Let's do this thing. And I'm not even going to yell at you because I want to take my time. I'm going to I'm going to really work you over and I'm going to make sure everybody knows how messed up you are. And when you have that perspective, because, you know, the constitutions, the government is your servant. Literally, all of government exists to serve you. That's what the Constitution say. Virginia Constitution, Article one, Section two, all powers invested in consequently derived from the people that magistrates are their trustees and servants and at all time amenable to them. The people in government are there to serve you. And so just do a gut check. Is this serving me? No? Okay, well then somewhere there's something wrong going on. And the wisdom here is that because the common law is the Christian tradition of trying to apply Christ's wisdom in the real world, if you're in the Lord, if you're in Christ, and your gut is telling you something's wrong about this, it means you're probably right. But the, if you don't do the study and you're not diligent to understand the issue, and if you're fearful and you give up yourself to someone else's care, those attorneys are going to argue derivative statute because that's how they make their money. Jaron can't argue Scott's rights for Scott because those are his. Your rights are not mine. I don't own your rights. So I cannot swear under penalty of perjury for your rights for you. Only you can do that. But if Scott comes to Jaron and say, Jaron, I want you to represent me. Okay. But because I can't stand on your rights for you, I'm going to have to argue some derivative junk, which is going to be through this process of billable hours and endless appeals and all this other stuff. And I'll, I'll say this, when I started learning this stuff, Long story short, I was in need of an attorney because I didn't know the law. My dad was dying of cancer. Uh, he's since been, you know, gone home with the Lord. Um, but, I, you know, he's like, you need to get an attorney to help you because that's what my dad's training was. It was his profession. And the very first thing the attorney that I came to asked me was, what do you do for a living? He didn't really care about me or what the issue was or anything. He just wanted to know that he could get paid because that's their profession. And I agree that the workman is worth his hire. So I'm not demeaning that perspective. At the same time, the issue is not what the law was or who, what my rights were. It was, is Jaron going to have enough money for me to even begin helping him? And when that, like when, when he asked that question, it was sobering. It was very sobering. It was like, oh, I see how this works. And that motivated me to start le looking, learning, reading. Um, and so that's what I've done. The versions of Black's Law Dictionary, as you mentioned, there was a change from version five to version six, I believe you said. And you had recommended the other day to me to believe to get version four or earlier. What I'm interested in here, and maybe it was version five, but anyway, what I'm interested in is when you argue from an earlier version, how does that work when you're dealing with a modern version, say, I think it's currently a version 12, if I'm not mistaken, maybe version 11, 
and you're arguing, say, from version four, and you're using references to four in a perspective of against someone who's using version 11, what wins? What's the precedence here? Well, so let's let's investigate the question. Let's do an internal critique of the question. So the issue is not the definition. The issue is the law. Your constitutions are written from a general perspective, a common man's understanding. And because they were ratified when they were, the common man's understanding of that word at that time is the meaning of that word. The only word that's ever defined in any constitution is treason. Every other word has a general understanding for that time. And the only reason why treason is defined is because it's a crime specifically to that constitution. This is why treason is defined as making war against the United States or making a war against Texas, making war against Oregon, or giving aid or comfort to the enemy. So treason is actually against the constitution and not your country. That's where people conflate. So if the constitution is written for a general understanding, you use the customs, the, the historical analysis method to understand what the word meant at that time. But to your question, most attorneys, whenever you ask them what a court of record is, they won't know the definition. They will say a court that keeps the record. That's what they'll say. And then you can remind them because they'll really only know one or two things. They'll say one, a court that keeps the record or two, one that has that can uh, impose fines and penalties. But they don't know the others. Now, the other attributes of the court of record, and I didn't I didn't cover them all. I mean, if you if you go back to all of them, let me look this up real fast. If you go to all the attributes of what a court has, uh, you'll recognize that it's um, it exercises functions independently of the magistrate. It moves according to the common law. Its acts and proceedings are enrolled for perpetual memorial. Those are the attributes of a court of record. So when people say, well, it's a court that keeps the record, well, no, there's legislative tribunals that keep the record of, the, of its proceedings. You have to have all of the attributes of a court of record. And this goes all the way back to the uh, British commentaries of William Blackstone or Edward Coke or, uh, you know, th those, those jurists from hundreds of years ago that were laying down what the law was. And when people don't know this, and in other words, when I, when I argue a definition, it's never responded to. It's never responded to because what we do is not argue the definition of a word. What we do is we stand on the law as it's written. And most attorneys don't know what the law says. They've only been taught a system predicated on statutes, rules, and case law, which is all derivative. It's all secondhand. It's all downstream. It's all garbage. It's all like kind of leftover junk. What we're doing is we're going back to the origin. We're going back to the Constitution, and we're saying this is what the law is. And so you're literally, you know, engaging them outside of their experience and they don't know how to handle it. It breaks their programming because they weren't trained to do it, which is why the attorneys will say, and if you have attorneys in your audience, you'll probably get emails or something speaking to the effect of Jaron doesn't know what he's talking about. Courts don't do that. That's not how the law works. That's not what the precedent is. That That's what they'll say. They will appeal to experience. They won't actually speak about the law. Not a one of them will actually use the law 
what they'll do is they'll appeal to their authority, which is a logical fallacy because they don't have the authority. They are not the authority. They are just people making money, attacking people's rights in courts for money. What we're doing is we're seeing what the constitution says and holding a strict obedience and observation to it because we understand that's a contract everybody in government swore to. And so we just mastered the contract and I don't move off of it. Why would I? I'm not going to ever get away from the authority because once I do that, now I start entertaining this junk law. And this is this is why an attorney today, the reason why all these proceedings take so long is because an attorney will file a brief. A brief is nothing more than a written instrument of counsel to give information to the court. It's basically an attorney giving the court and everybody else his playbook. In this case, I'm going to argue this case, this case, this case. The other guy is going to say, I'm going to argue this case, this case, this case. Well, then they go, okay, we'll have a hearing three months from now, more billable hours, and then each side will be able to do the research on what the state annotated is on all those cases. And that way, whenever they get in the courtroom, everyone's going to say, well, in Jenkins versus Williams, 1984, it said blah, 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 blah. And now they're not, none of them are arguing the law. They're all, they're, they are all arguing opinion. It's just opinion, opinion, opinion. And, I, and, and you brought it up. I, I missed it. But attorneys are never sworn. Attorneys never swear under penalty of perjury to what they say, which means, get this, attorneys never establish facts in the law, ever, ever. And because attorneys aren't sworn, it means what they say is hearsay. In the law, that's the issue. So if you were ever, I mean, you know, I would never go to court without giving prior notice or affidavit to the judge of what the issue is. But let's say that you're in a court, quote unquote, because if you read the technical definition of a court, it'll blow your mind. But you, let's say that you're there. You could literally, anytime the other counsel says anything, objection, hearsay, objection, hearsay, because literally everything they say is not sworn which means they're not establishing facts, which means the court is moving by some statutory provision, which means the court is not a court of record, which means the court is not moving by the common law, which means if someone's attacking your rights, they're doing it unlawfully every single time. And the judge could not get you for contempt because you could say, judge, are you trying to uh, use legislative or statutory provision against my rights? And that would shut them up because the judge would know that the judge is not acting judicially if the judge is using statutory provision to abrogate your secured rights, because they can't. No one in the government can use anything to go against your rights. So if you find yourself in some tribunal and they're saying you didn't fill out something according to the code or the statutes or the whatever, that is clear evidence that someone is using something the legislature created to go against what God gave you. And you should smash that. The, the um, one thing that's very interesting is the knowledge you have in writing these briefs. I'm going to call them briefs, affidavits. If somebody's starting from scratch and doesn't have your knowledge, where do they begin to learn that? Since you were also saying that you don't like to do templates. Yeah, well, I would direct people to my teacher, his guy named uh, Dave Jose. He's on Twitter. Real Dave cares for you. The number four and the letter U. Uh, he does webinars and he's got a lot of content online. I do the same thing. Well, I, I don't teach what Dave teaches. I, I try to draw pictures and show people where the concepts relate, but it really does start with the Bible. 
the fear of the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge and understanding. And when we understand that God will make all of our paths straight, those paths include our engagement with government, the way that we fight lawlessness, the way that we bring righteousness and, and truth and justice and mercy to the public. Like all of those things God cares about. He cares very much about justice. He, he wants to uh, establish righteousness. And so the American church, in my view, has been taught a, um, a disengagement from uh, worldly affairs uh, because, you know, we don't think the kingdom is here or we don't believe that we are to have dominion. Whatever it is, we've been taught this separation church and state and look at the nation we have as a result of it. And so when Christians just recognize, I might not be able to say all the stuff Jaron says, okay, that's fine. Don't, don't, don't judge, don't judge yourself against me. I, you know, don't, don't do that. That will, that will hurt yourself. What, what you, and just as I don't judge myself against Dave, because Dave knows a lot more than me. Um, what you want to do is you want to be diligent and steward what God has given you. And if you believe that the government is oppressive, have the courage to read what the fundamental law is. Have the courage to read the Constitution and study it and say, what is this about? And you'll find the Bible is full. It's full of instances where, um, you know, God shows you arguments to be made in the law. I'll give you a perfect example. The rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he says, good rabbi, what must I do to earn salvation? And Jesus stops him. He says, why do you call me good? There is no one good but God. Jesus literally clarified the presumption. The rich young ruler, let's treat him as government. He attacks the issue. He comes to Jesus with the presumption. Good rabbi. He's using his standard of righteousness. So the government using its standard of the law doesn't mean it's the law. It just means that they're using it. And when the guy comes to Jesus, he's flattering the Messiah. He's saying, good rabbi, what do I have to do to earn salvation? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There is no one good but God. And Jesus is quoting Psalm 14. He's saying, no one's righteous. No one's righteous. And what Jesus is doing, he's not calling himself not righteous. He's attacking the standard that the rich young ruler is using. He's dashing the dude's jurisdiction. And by undermining it, it completely sideswipes everything the dude stands for. Because if you have the sandy foundation, the storm will destroy you. And so the very first thing we always want to do is we always want to come back to the Lord. We always want to come back to the Bible and we want to stand on it. And in like fashion, much smaller, obviously the Bible is God's word. The Constitution is not God's word. I'll just be very clear. But in like fashion... Anytime you're anything in government, you're always going to start with your constitutions. And most often, you're going to start with your state constitution, because that's where there's tons of remedy. There's tons of liberty and tons of freedom that we don't know that's in there, and they will explicitly lay it out. We've just never read, uh, read it because we've, been, we've all been taught the same way. It's been omitted, so we just don't know. And so that's where I would start. I would start with the fundamentals. You always stay in the Bible. Um, 
if you're, you know, don't lose time in the Bible for time studying this stuff, you know, uh, follow, follow what God says. If you want to start going after the government and learning your rights, start with your state constitutions. There's no better way or there's no better place than your state constitutions. You've mentioned your teacher, your mentor a number of times. Is there a way people can easily connect with him and, and link up with his seminars and his teaching? Yeah, I've uh, so he's on Twitter um, and he he gets in a lot of fights. <laughs> he gets in a lot of fights. Just look him up. Real Dave cares for you on Twitter. Uh, he's a black dude from Detroit who sounds like a black dude from Detroit. Um, but the guy's got wisdom and he's got insight and he's very precise, very precise. Um, and he he doesn't take junk. So a lot of people don't you know, a lot of people see and they go, well, he doesn't really play well. No, it's it's this is precision. This is precision. And people's liberty and their lives are destroyed because they're not precise. So if you're dealing with the law, let's be precise. And then you can also hit him up on Telegram. Uh, and that's Dave cares for you all spelled out that way. But if you just go to Twitter, I don't, you know, Twitter's probably the most common, but uh, he does all of his webinars and stuff on Telegram. Um, but I, I would encourage you, uh, you know, the Bible says, get understanding, like whenever you find it, get it. Um, I would encourage you guys to do that because the, the amount of knowledge that's been hidden from us um, is incalculable. Um, and when you understand it, when you, when you realize what's been hidden is there and you can read it and find it, um, you know, just today I've spoken to multiple state legislators. I spoke to someone in a governor's office of a state that may or may not be connected to the border. Um, and I spoke to one U S congressman who's on Homeland security today. And these guys are asking me, uh, like, what's the law? Like, what what can we do to fix bad government? And um, you know, that's that's basically how Dave and all of his students, uh, those guys who have been with him, that I mean, that's what we do. This is a ministry where we're bringing righteousness to our government, and it, it's disciplined. And that's probably one thing I'll, I'll circle back to is you have to have the courage, like you were speaking to. But you have to have the discipline of, of, you know, the Bible says to prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Um, just because Jaron says something, don't take my word for it. Don't ever believe me. I mean, the, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So you need to validate everything. And um, Dave spoiled me in the sense that he shows what he says. He won't ever say anything unless he can prove it, which that's why we win. We win because we never say anything we can't prove. And because we can prove it and we know it, when we get into a scrap, we're the most prepared person in the fight, which is why, you know, which is why we win, because we've done all the work ahead of time. Um, and that's where I'll circle back. You had a you had an episode last week where you spoke about the letters. Um, I think that's brilliant. I think that's brilliant. And you could you could direct and like hone Bard's nation to just smash with precision. Um, yeah, and, and shoot, you know, that's, that's a big cudgel. <laughs> like that's, that's a big hammer you got. So um, I, you know, I'm excited that I just wanna make sure that no one cuts corners, there are no shortcuts. Um, and I would steer clear of templates because if you do that, you actually shortcut your thinking, you deprive yourself the mastery of the instrument because if anyone ever calls you to account for it and you copy pasted something in there you can't remember, 
they're going to smash you because these these uh, these globalists, these satanic pedophile networks that that's out there, they have multiple trillions of dollars worth of incentive to disprove what we say. They, like there there's a ton on the line. So the the uh, the incentive to disprove us is massive. But because we're right, they can't, which is why they censor, which is why platforms like this are such a blessing, because if you can get people turning to what the truth is, truth is going to smash these dudes. They have nothing against it. They, they can't stand against it. They will fall. They will get crushed. And by God, we'll be part of it. Absolutely. It's awesome. I just checked out um, Telegram with Dave Cares for you, and it's it shows up but there's nothing in his content. Is that because you have to request membership? Uh, if, uh, well, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll send you his stuff. I, I told you I would, but I didn't. So that's my fault, but I'll send you his stuff after, and then you can like link it or whatever. But uh, he does all his webinars on telegram. Um, but he does a lot of his content on Twitter. Um, like just, you know, spaces and stuff where he'll invite people to come in and argue and fight and show what the law is. But all of his webinars are on, uh, through telegram. And then he, you, is there aware a place where he announces those webinars? I guess that's what I was kind of looking at. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, uh, he just normally does it through his own channels. Okay. He, he doesn't. And that's, that's the thing. It's, uh, he, he doesn't chase the publicity because, you know, it's people, people either believe what's written and they follow or they don't, but, uh, he, he announces it through his stations and through his channels. He's posted some stuff, uh, recently on Twitter. Um, and if there's one knock I have on him, it's the same, you know, it's very similar to what I have. It's because he works at helping and teaching and doing the real law. He's not really good at marketing. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, uh, you know, he, he's, he's not trying to scale, the efforts. He's just trying to keep it focused and and precise. But uh, that's where he could, that's where he could have help is in marketing what he's doing. Um, but uh, he does all his stuff on Telegram. Okay, that's awesome. And how about you? You you had programs online for a while. Yeah, I so I I did I did the same stuff. I had some uh, back end issues. Uh, you know, I, I forgot a password to something, so it failed. But um, then I also realized, and this is this is where I get protective because people will take content and they'll start splicing it and selling it. But then you'll also get misinformation and disinformation agents who will take what you say, change it slightly, and then you lose that precision, which then results in you losing. And it's just kind of like, think about, the Supreme Court case where they said Texas couldn't stop the, the Border Patrol. If people don't actually know the law and what was argued, when those emotional events happen, they convince and train people that there is no remedy in the law, which prevents them from looking at what's true. And so you'll have, P I had people taking my stuff and then twisting it and presenting it differently that wasn't right. And so if people believed that and then they used that, they would fail. And when they fail, it would undermine what the law actually is and you would turn people off. And so that's kind of the, I don't want to say purity test, but that's the, the discipline that's required is it's not 
scaled as though you know you're going online and just buying something from Amazon. So it's not scaled from that perspective, precisely because there's so much power and money on the line that it's to the benefit, excuse me, it's to the incentive of the agents and whatnot to undermine it. So uh, I do my stuff on Rumble daily, uh, but my stuff is just hammering fundamentals and I'll take like a topical idea and just run it through the fundamentals so that people can kind of see the process. But if they want to go into the nitty gritty and the nuance and to learn all the intricacies, that's where I would direct them to Dave's webinars. That's good. And so your stuff on Rumble, is that just under Jaron Jackson? Yes, sir. Okay. So I want to encourage people to get over there. We'll put up some links. Um, once I get all those cleared up, we'll put the links under the podcast so people can find them and start reaching out. There's a, there's a keen interest here. And obviously, yeah. self-motivation to do it right and to really pay attention and learn is a powerful tool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's critical because, I mean, think about it. Like, And this is, I'll just be, you know, personal. Um, like today, I get, a, I get a call from a guy, DHS, Department of Human Services in Oklahoma. Uh, he, you know, he had a death in the family. One of his children died at his, at his mother's house. Like last week, five-year-old kid died. Like, so he's in a bad position, like, you know, mentally he's, you know, he has a kid die last week. And this morning, this morning, DHS shows up at his house. And because they don't know the law, this lady walks right into his house, starts taking pictures of all over the place, tells them she has to talk to his 12 year old child by herself. And she starts talking to the 12 year old child and she asks the child leading questions like, does mommy and daddy ever argue? And when 12 year old child says, well, yeah, dad and mom argue, that was sufficient for her and her thinking that she can start a claim in a case. And this is how they traffic children because they'll, they'll attack parents' custody of their children unlawfully using these type of bully tactics, exploiting the death of a family, a death of a child in a family, the people don't know their rights. The people are scared. They don't want to lose anything. And so, yeah, yeah, come on in, come, come show, see my house, see my house. I, I do everything right. And then they just freaking nail them because this is a business for them. This is what I was speaking about at Bards Fest. They, they take social security money and they pay everybody that's involved in the unlawful trafficking of that child. And by trafficking, I mean, you're taking the child out of the custody of the parent and you're giving it to a foster parent. But the foster parent's going to make Social Security money. The guardian ad litem that's overseeing the case is going to make Social Security money. The judge that signs the administrative order is going to make Social Security money. The staff in the family-friendly abuse, neglect, juvenile court is going to make Social Security money. The attorney you hire to get your kid back will make Social Security money. Literally everybody is going to get paid from the Social Security Trust Fund as long as that child is not in your custody. It becomes a revenue stream. And while that child is out of the family's custody, the revenue flows. So this is where families with large numbers of kids are juicy targets, because if you can come into that family, take their children, that's, you know, that's a paycheck every month for all these kids. 
That's what's happening right now. That 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 is the multi-billion dollar child trafficking market using Social Security Trust Fund. And that's that's public knowledge. That's 42 USC section 674 payment to states. They literally tell you who all is involved, who all is getting paid. And uh, that goes against the original legislative intent of the Social Security Trust Fund Act, which was what, 1935, it's Title 11, Section 1101, 6D. It says that no one can take a kid from the parents' objections. But yet, what are they doing 80 years later? Taking kids against parents' objections. But parents don't know the law, and that's how everyone gets paid. So when this guy calls me, um, you know, through a, through a buddy, uh, I stop everything I'm doing. I stop everything I'm doing right then and help the guy out, tell him, you know, how to assert his rights and, you know, help him out. And uh, Lord willing, we'll kill the case. But, you know, it, it, ha it you have to be precise. You have to be aggressive. You can't, you can't let these freaking pedophiles come against you. You can't let these people attack you. You have to fight for what's yours, but you also need to be precise. And if I were to write something or if I were to help somebody, I, I've got responsibility for that. And so if I show people what a template is and they don't do the study, but they think my template's going to save them, I don't want to be responsible for that. That's why, you know, that's why we're strict in you got to you got to do the stuff. But what we'll do is we'll point out, here's the constitutions. Here's your fundamentals. Here's where the law is. Um, so I, I hope that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And it's just it kind of gets back to kind of the question before in, in, in learning to write these briefs, because it's, it really is going to, it takes a study. I think that's what people are looking for is wanting to move quick, but this isn't something you can just knee jerk and move quick on. There, exactly. there's, there's a lot of learning to do here and a lot of relearning and unlearning. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's how Dave teaches. Like the, the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches, I think it's, it's in Isaiah. It says, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Because if Jesus, think about when Jesus did the transfiguration, he goes up on the mount, he reveals himself, and they're just like, huh? <laughs> like, it broke them. That Like, Peter didn't know, I will make three tents for you. He didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do. He's just bumbling around. I mean, I, I don't fault him. I mean, God just revealed himself. When you give all this knowledge, if someone doesn't have a foundation, if they're not ready to receive it, it's like, what do you do with it? And it could be intimidating. And so I'm, I'm trying not to intimidate, but I do want to encourage by helping people see that there is a very common sense, uh, lawful uh, way to, to do this. The, the biggest challenge is, do you have the humility to recognize that what you've been taught is wrong and the discipline to validate everything that you believe? And there's a scripture, uh, it's a 2 Corinthians 10, says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't wage war in the flesh, right? Our weapons are, are defined and to pull down strongholds. In the Greek, that stronghold is the okurama, that's your, that's your castle of your brain, that's your perception, that's your um, you know, philosophies, all those things. And then it says that we bring into obedience, all thoughts are made captive. Uh, well, in the Greek, that word for captive is derived from spear. So the way that you know something is a captive is that there's a spear pointing at it, which in my mind, I think of if Christ is seated on the throne of my heart 
an idea comes into my heart. And the discernment is, does the Bible stack with this? And if it doesn't, if an idea comes into my heart and the Bible tells me to kill it, I kill it. And, and that's for everything. That is a disciplined diligence that is not normal. And, and it's it's tough, but that's where we go slow. Um, so if, if you're willing to go slow, you're willing to do the reading, um, it'll come. But in the meantime, that's where there's other people like myself, like Dave, and he's got other students. He's got one student in a state in, on the East Coast that by himself has a pool of 50 legislators. 50 legislators are learning from one guy in the East Coast right now. And they're like, they ask him questions like, how do you do this? How do you do this? And he's telling them, here's where the law says this. Here's where the law says that. So there's absolutely an appetite for it. It's just, you know, it's 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 a disciplined fight. So when you speak about the information war, it's absolutely, I mean, you're you're bang on. It's it's right. You just got to have the discipline to, uh, to focus. You got to read the authorities and stand on it. That's awesome. So currently, where's the best way for people to reach you? Is that rumble is that the best yeah, i would probably just i would i would probably just do twitter i got a couple things coming out um and if people funnel that that way that's where we're trying to take the fight uh elon has been decent about not nuking people he's not perfect clearly he's it's not free speech absolute but he's been better than what twitter was uh and that's where that's where more of the eyeballs are so where we want to go is in that forum because that's where we want the fight we want the fight there so that we can blow the message up. And uh, you know, we, we want the fight. We want the controversy. So we're going to go where the biggest microphones are. So if people just follow uh, Jaron Jackson, J-A-R-R-I-N Jackson at Twitter is the best spot. I do have a Telegram. Um, uh, what's it called? Channel. Same name. All my stuff's Jaron Jackson. Rumble, Jaron Jackson. Um, but I've got some stuff coming out where I want to... Um, help people assemble kind of what you got with your county by county uh, thing. So that's, that's probably where I'll start putting a lot of my focus um, reverse engineering, the asymmetric application of decentralized teams. Um, because I think that, uh, you know, if you fly under the banner of a big group, that's where agents come in, infiltration comes in, ego comes in and that's where they destroy it. So it's gotta be decentralized. If it's not decentralized, it's um, it's vulnerable. You and I agree on that 100%. It's one of the blessings that we've, with county by counties, we've never sent a centralized head. It's just, here's the template. Go forward and do good things. And I, I think that's key, especially in this day. Jaron, we always uh, close with a prayer. I'd like to ask if you'd like to lead the prayer today. Uh, sure. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for the day. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. God, we love you. Thank you for your Bible. Thank you for your son. Father, we come as brothers and sisters in you, knowing that you are our only hope for salvation. We know that you um, give good gifts. We know that you love justice. We know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Um, God, I love you. Thank you for the opportunity for me to speak with Scott and his people. Um, thank you for the people that were listening. Thank you for Scott to giving me the opportunity Father, I pray that people were blessed, um, however you see fit, that your will be done and that you get the glory, Father. Um, God, you know how I hate corruption and how we want to smash evil. Uh, I lose patience, Father. I pray that you bless me in doing your will and not by trying to make things go quicker. 
that you are righteous and you are my king and I want to follow you. Father, I pray for this nation. Uh, there's a lot of lawlessness. There's a lot of lost people, Father. Um, I pray that souls are saved, that they come to Christ, that they believe the gospel. That's what I care about the most because that's what you care about. Father, I know that your kingdom is here. I know Christ is on the throne and I know that his wisdom is for today. Yeah, I know that it's right. I love you. Thank you for this opportunity again. Um, please help me where I trespass. Please help me forgive those that have trespassed against me. Thank you for my blessings. I pray that I steward them. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my health. I pray for continued provision for the people listening to me. If they are feeling depressed, that they know that they can call to you. If they feel discouraged, that they know that you have overcome the world that they know that if there is a power that is frightening them, that they can just turn to you and you are the almighty and you hold everything in your hands. Thank you for Jesus. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Father God, I just want to thank you for Jaron. He's a blessing in our time. And just thank you for his warrior's heart. And thank you for his pursuit of truth. As harsh as truth may be, let truth continue to be his sword. He leads us in great ways of thinking, and we, we are honored to have that in our movement, in our time, and challenges the thinking to break the conventional and to step back into the fundamentals of your word. So Father, just asking for the continued blessings that he'll bring to us, the resources that he needs, and the platforms that he needs to extend that voice, to raise up whomever will listen, whether that's a remnant or whether it's the mass of many. But let the hearts hear his words truly for what they are intended to be, words to, to set us free, to give us the tools to fight evil and to destroy corruption, and to reset this nation under the throne. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Right. Jaron, thank you. It was an awesome interview today. Really enjoyed the conversation, and you've really provided an enormous amount of information that I think is critical because you've given so, many, so much detail here on the fundamentals of beginnings. And I think that's the hardest place is where to begin. And once people start to understand that, and just taking the time, and if they'll listen to this carefully, doing those steps... And then engaging in these seminars, yours and your mentors, I think that there's there's a pathway now for people to really gain the needed knowledge to start waging this war as we need to. Amen. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, I it, it's a lot of work. I was blessed with the ability to grasp ideas, um, and by God's grace, it just it just clicked for me pretty quick. And, and some people might get discouraged and that's where I want to, want to offer, <laughs> I want to offer encouragement. Everyone might not be able to do what I do. I, you know, God's blessed me with specific talents to, to be effective in this fight. But I, I think if they just do the fundamentals, they'll be straight. And um, there's a lot of power in someone just saying, you can't do that. <laughs> that's not hard. That's not hard. That's good. So, for those who have not checked out Jaron's Twitter site, Jaron Jackson, I love the both pictures, your your banner, but in particular your avatar picture. Here we have West Point graduate, uh, captain in, in Afghanistan. His, his lead picture is man on a tractor with an American flag. Brother, you got the heart of America right there. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. That's really good. Well, Jaron, have a blessed day. Thank you for the time and just look forward to keeping in touch and really moving this forward. Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you. And God bless you. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Patriots, that was Jaron Jackson, truly one of the great minds 
in this fight at this time and, and just brilliant in the topic of common law. Honor to have him on, honor to get to know him, really call him friend. He's, a, he's an amazing man. And we're going to continue to have him on as things go forward, and I'll be doing a lot of work with him and being able to pass on some of that knowledge as well. My strong opinion is that everything you have here, this is one of these shows I would highly recommend that you listen to multiple times and really dig into the details of what he's saying. Follow the accounts that he's referencing. We'll put those links underneath this podcast so you have them there to see and to make sure you follow his Twitter space and follow him on Telegram. Also follow his mentor on Twitter. Take advantage of these uh, seminars that are going to come up and when they come up, get into them and study this. This is powerful, powerful tools of war. And the greatest thing about this is it's not taking us away from the centerpiece, which you know God all wants us all to do, which is to get into the Word. So I think that's what's most profound to me is that the center point of all of this is so, in a sense, fundamentally simple. It's beginning with the Bible. And from there, we build out Bible, and then we get to our state constitutions, and then we get into to Black's Law Dictionary for the simple sense of understanding how the legal wording is work, done. But what's the critical message to me and so much of this, there's a couple of them that I, I really wanted to give you here in the last as a takeaway. The constitutions are written as if we are speaking to the government to keep the government in, down in size. It's not dictating to us. It's our rights dictating to government. Huge paradigm shift. The other thing is when you realize that common law is rooted in scripture, you realize how deeply faithful and how deep our founding fathers were in this entire process of our country. Our founding fathers were rooted truly in our in the Bible. They were they were Christian men who believed in Jesus. And this gets distorted constantly in the mainstream education system because they don't want you to know that simple fact. Our country was started from the pulpit with powerful and anointed pastors speaking truth to power, having that ability to speak outside into the world to challenge tyranny and to use the pulpit as a powerful message to mobilize people to stand up against what was absolutely wrong and not God's way. Jaron is one of those of the legacy like that that comes forward, and we just need to embrace these tools and start using them, organizing to use them locally, especially at a county-by-county county level, and then start taking back our government and literally taking it back. This isn't a thing you even have to wait for an election year. This is actions you can take, and you can do so Literally, as he says, you can conduct court by mail. Powerful words, powerful things to remember. And the more that we learn about common law, the more that we advance this, this process to take away their tools of war and use our tools of war to take this country back. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war, so walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. To the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body